0: Hey there, it's Scary Parrish. It's Monday, November 30th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I suppose we'll start with the fact that three preseason top 10 teams lost to unranked opponents in the first five days of the season. Number four, Virginia lost 61-60 to San Francisco on Friday. We talked about that in Friday afternoon's episode. Go check it if you missed it. Then on Saturday... Number three, Villanova lost 81-73 in overtime to Virginia Tech inside Bubbleville. Then on Sunday, number 10, Kentucky lost 76-64 to Richmond inside Rupp Arena. So, Norlanda, again, we've already discussed Virginia's loss. Let me ask you this. Which result surprised you more? Villanova losing to Virginia Tech on a neutral, you were courtside, or Kentucky losing to Richmond inside Rupp Arena? Uh,
1: Villanova losing... The result that surprised me more was Villanova losing to Virginia Tech. But taking into account everything, the way that I watched Richmond lose to Kentucky was more surprising because Richmond easily defeated Kentucky, but it did not even play like an A game. It was it was just okay. And Kentucky didn't make a three. It was... I mean, it it looked like a young team that is still very much needing to come together. So to me, it was it was a stark difference between that and a Richmond team that was that was good to go. I mean, there was no doubt about it. They, Chris Mooney, kind of kind of made a pretty loud statement that his team deserves to be in consideration for the top twenty-five, if not in the top twenty-five. When that comes out on Monday, we're obviously recording in advance of the AP poll. Where do you have the Spiders if you have them ranked at all?
0: Of course, I have spiders ranked. You're talking to the MC of Atlantic 10 Media Day. You think I'm going to let the spiders go into Rupp Arena, win, but keep a zero in the lost column, and not not have them in the top 25 and one? Have you lost your mind? Um, uh, Richmond, I got them 20th, one spot behind Texas, one spot ahead of the Kentucky team that they just beat.
1: Okay, uh, only one spot ahead of Kentucky. They won at Kentucky, and you're still going to put Kentucky just one spot behind. Why not drop Kentucky out of the poll altogether?
0: because i implemented loyal readers of the top 25 and 1 would would understand and remember that i implemented several years there was there was a, a a year a few years ago where a season a few years ago where i i was ranking strictly on resume and so if you took a bad if you were like a top 5 team and you took a horrendous loss like like um virginia losing to san francisco I would just try to say, "Hey, listen, you you lost a terrible game, and you you know you can't based on that resume, you can't be ranked." It, it it worked out fine for like I don't know four or five days, but then like another top ten teams lost, and another top ten team lost, and next thing I know, I've got a, a, a ranking a, a, a top twenty five and one, and it doesn't have obviously great teams in it, and I was just like, "Okay, this is silly." Like you know, this is basketball, forty minute games, sometimes great teams, good teams. Uh, top 25 teams do lose to grossly inferior opponents. And if it happens in February, they've got enough of a resume built up where it doesn't knock them completely out of a top 25, even a top 25 and one. But in November, the resume is not built up. So I'm, I'm knocking them out. But like, do they really deserve to be knocked out? So what I did is I implemented a rule where if you are an obviously great team, or at least on paper, an obviously great team, in the computers, an obviously great team, if you take one of these unexpected losses early, it's an automatic 10-spot drop. I drop you 10 spots. Now, if you, do, if you take a second one, now you got to go. I can't justify you anymore. But I'll give you a, 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 some leeway for what, in many cases, is just going to be an early season slip-up, which is not indicative of what you actually are as a basketball Team. So to answer your question, Kentucky was 11 on Sunday morning. They lose on Sunday afternoon. They drop to 21 because of the 10 spot auto drop. And then I want, obviously got to have Richmond ahead of them. I could have moved Richmond even higher, but I put Richmond at 20, Kentucky at 21. I hope that satisfies you.
1: It doesn't. I would have Richmond significantly higher than Kentucky right now because they won. Oh, by, I,
0: it sounds like somebody's trying to, to to be the next MC of the eight, 10
1: meeting I'm, I'm I'm creeping around the corner right now. I would have Richmond more than one spot ahead of Kentucky at this point because the they it just was there's no doubt about it um and listen listen kentucky is going to and we'll get to this later in the pod and theoretically have its chance against kansas we'll find out if that's actually going to happen but um and then we'll know i mean if if they can defeat kansas on tuesday then they'll scoot right back up as they should and if they can't It'll be a CS situation come uh, come Wednesday morning in the top 25 and one. Um, just a quick note on on Kentucky and what I saw or didn't see. Um, this team is, like, just... I don't know if it will grow into one that can shoot, but for all the amazing length defense, really great potential with, like, Olivier Saar, Isaiah Jackson, Terrence Clark, just just swooping in like pterodactyls. Like, There's a lot there. And and Brandon Boston, who is no longer BJ Boston, I guess. I don't know when that change happened. Maybe you can inform me, but it is Brandon Boston now. Um, it, it, He's he's good, but he hasn't had a three yet. I mean, this team, through two games, has made five three-pointers, and all of them came against Moorhead State, which is 312th in Ken Pomp. So we're only two games in. I don't have a, I, you know... I don't have this overarching, you know, transcendent concern about Kentucky. We see this in many years where they, they have some stumbles. And Richmond's a, a veteran team. I take more out of the fact that Richmond won the way that won than Kentucky lost the way that it lost. But it's quite clear through two games that UK lacks any kind of identity from beyond the arc, and that's not a long-term way of, of winning. And if that's going to remain the case, I find it hard to believe that they will wind up being the best team in the SEC.
0: Yeah, I've I made this point a million times. I'll make it one million and one. Um, John Calipari's track record, uh, the sample size of John Calipari coach teams at Kentucky is fairly large now. And what history tells us is that his best teams, the ones that are awesome from start to finish, the, the three best Kentucky teams under Cal are 2010, 2012, 2015. They're all built similarly. They're led by literally the future number one pick in the NBA draft. Um, 2010, John Wall, 2012 Anthony Davis, 2015, Carl Anthony Towns. And they are supported by non-freshmen who have who 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 spend multiple years in the program. You know, the 2012 championship team, everybody remembers the freshmen. Three of the top six scores on that team were non-freshmen who spent multiple years in the program. I say all that to say this. Uh, this Kentucky team's not built that way. The future number one pick in the NBA draft, not on this Kentucky team. And they do not have non-freshman, uh, meaningful non freshmen who have spent or are spending multiple years in the program. And so what history tells us about those types of teams is that they, they and Kentucky fans, you should appreciate this. They do almost always get really good, sometimes great, but, they uh, almost always have bumps and it's a, it's a bumpy road to getting really good or great. And so, yes, it was an upset. What happened Sunday inside rough arena, you know, Kentucky was like an eight point favorite in the game, but it wasn't that surprising that Kentucky lost to an experienced Richmond team that was picked uh, by the media to win the Atlantic 10. Um, you know, I, all of the issues are fixable, I guess. I, I don't know that Kentucky will ever be a great three-point shooting team, but, I mean, they, they got to be better than this. They were 0 of 10 from three against Richmond, as you pointed out. They're shooting 23% from three through two games. Here was the one that blew my mind. They had five assists and 21 turnovers against Richmond mm-hmm. and zero assists in the second half. I don't even think I can remember a basketball team, especially a, a a program like Kentucky, zero assist in the second half of a game. Like, that's in, that's insane to me.
1: Yeah, that is, uh, that's wild. And Kentucky went some absurd amount of games. Like, I think close to 2,000 straight games with a made three-pointer. And then that streak ended against Davidson in the first round of the 2018 tournament, I believe. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, for the second time, uh, in the past you know, two and a half seasons or whatever. Uh, they, they go a game without making a three after. At the time Kentucky's streak ended, I think it had the longest streak in America. And now I think like UNLV and Princeton still have, are the only teams that have, that have long streaks like that or they haven't missed a three since the three-point line was instituted, something like that. But anyway, um, Kentucky just... Uh, it was one of those things that was always connected to UK and now, weirdly enough, it's had two games where that hasn't happened. But credit to Richmond. I mean, Jacob Gilliard, who I pushed... Uh, to have pretty high in our top 101 he did wind up crack i think he cracked the top 50 and rightfully so dude is a magician on defense he's uh he, he's only one of 14 from three point range in his first two games uh but defensively and kind of and when he's got the ball and, and distributing and getting to the ten he's great he was just it was just you know five pickpocket situations uh like you know every other possession it seemed in the second half there he is—he really is something—and credit to Chris Mooney, who, by the way, how about that mask? How the how about the clear mask he was rocking? That actually seems like it. What? Uh, it's funny. I I tweeted out that every superstitious head coach is asking his ops guy right now to go find that mask because you know Mooney rocked it and they won at Kentucky. And actually, did have two head coaches text me and say, <laughs> "I don't know if you were joking or not, but I'm literally trying to get that mask. Like I'm trying it, to." It, it,
0: it's actually effective yes. because if you if you're watching games, you know, through this first week of the season, coaches they all they all have a mask and they they, they put it on. For a second, and then they are constantly pulling it down and talking like, and I, no, constantly tech-
1: pulling it down and screaming, which is yes. sending the particles into the the whole. They are literally defeating the purpose. That's right,
0: right, yeah. And so with Chris's mask, you can talk to your. They, a lot of this, I notice this like when I'm at the grocery store or something. I, I've got a mask on, and sometimes you you're walking by people and you'll, you know, you, you'll smile at them or, you know, you and, and I, I realize, or you'll say what's up, uh, you know, you, you'll mouth something. And I, 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 still haven't quite, even though we're like nine months into this thing, I still haven't quite remembered. Nobody can see me smiling at them or, or mouthing something to them and and works the same way with coaches. Like you, you, a lot of times you, your, your players, particularly if they're far away are going to read your lips to get an idea of what you're saying and you, you with that clear mask you don't you can talk to the you can they can see your mouth moving which i think is effect, it's actually like an effective mask for for coaches to wear I, I like i would endorse that for all coaches probably
1: yeah no, i think it uh, could well become a thing i don't it's it's called the clear mask i think that's actually that's the patent name for it and i don't quite understand how uh <laughs> the breathing and the air filtration system works in it but obviously you know it's it works and it's a thing um and yeah so mooney was rocking it yesterday and it, it uh, it's just it's it's interesting that you know mooney he's just because he's his demeanor is, is relatively calm and so um it, it's funny it's like he he might be one of the last coaches you would think would need to use just because he's not naturally like a big time screamer lose your lose your you know what on the sidelines But it works, man. I hope to see. I hope that's – I would not surprise me. Seriously, if if we look up in six weeks and we just happen to see, like, when the NBA gets going again, like, that just becomes the thing that coaches wear. Why would you not, you know? You know, communication, both verbal but visual as well, particularly in sports, it just – I think it will be something there. So, anyway, a huge win. Huge win for Richmond and the A-10. St. Louis beat LSU, so two right. big wins for the A-10 over the SEC. And then here in Bubbleville, Rhode Island got back on the mat after starting 0-2. Then it won two games. It uh, it was able to defeat um, San Francisco on on Sunday. And so that was just... It, it has been a beneficial past few days to kind of start the season for the A-10, which we, we thought would be the case uh, in terms of the league being pretty solid. But it's, it's, it, it was important for... St. Louis and Richmond to kind of get the wins that they did. VCU went two and one in South Dakota as well. I feel like I should mention. So it's been uh, it's been good to go, and we'll see what Davidson can do uh, if it can make any damage down in Nashville in that in that Maui field. You did ask me about Villanova. I'll give you something real quick on that. Um, Virginia Tech gets out of here two and zero. It was able to just have no issues with with South Florida, none at all. But the win over Villanova was obviously the big one there, and I I'm trying to remember. I'm When you're in a hotel, like this is now my seventh day, so when you're in a hotel, as you know, GP, sometimes your sense of time and concept and days kind of goes out the window. Uh, like, it's Monday, but it doesn't... My days have no feel right now. I'm going home tomorrow night and excited to see my family, but I can't remember if we talked about on the... Po- I literally can't remember if we talked about Jay Wright and scheduling this game against Virginia Tech. I guess we probably did, um, but I talked to Mike Young about it after the win, and... He basically said, "Listen, I just I was I just needed to get an opponent thrilled to be able to get the chance." And then I said, "Well, you know, Mike, last year you beat number 3 Michigan State. Now you beat number 3 Villanova like 3 seasons ago when you were at Wofford, you walked into the into the Dean Dome and you took out Carolina, which was a top 5 team at the time." And I just wanted him to try and quantify if he could like, what is it about your teams? And those aren't the only three, but those are the three most notable in the past you know, five years of his career. What is it about your team where you're able to get some of these wins against teams that, you're, frankly, you're supposed to lose against and, and maybe lose by double digits? And he said, I'm the most encouraging head coach in America. My players never have to look over their shoulder when they take a shot and wonder if I'm going to yell at them for it, basically. He said, I loved this quote. He said, all the misses are on me, and we'll figure out the rest, which is not a philosophy shared by more than 85% of his contemporaries. All the misses are on me. Um, And so he basically said, when we start a season, and he said they have not missed a practice yet because of COVID. They've been COVID-free since August. But when we start a season, my guys really truly do have a certain autonomy. As long as they they give a damn on defense and they are aggressive about rebounding, they got to do that. There's no fake hustle there. Then they're going to be able to play – with a certain amount of freedom. And my guys don't need to worry about, "Ah, bad shot, is he going to pull me out? They don't need to worry about competing for minutes. And I thought it was a pretty interesting insight from Mike Young, who has plenty of respect from a lot of dudes in the industry. Um, But when you beat Villanova the way... He was able to beat Villanova in overtime. They almost, you know, shouldn't have gone to overtime, but uh, that's another story. It was just impressive. So Virginia Tech still undefeated while Villanova is 2-1. and one. And, oh, by the way, still here, uh, they're going to play Hartford on Tuesday in Bubbleville.
0: I've got uh, Virginia Tech now 11th in the t- top 25-1. and one. And though that might sound high, like, they're 22nd at Ken Palm. So, like, they're, they're performing. And their best player is probably a former Wofford Terrier.
1: Yes, against Villanova, Keve Aluma straight up outplayed Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and that was not arguable. And actually, so so when I talked to Jay right after the loss, he said, I happen to be watching Radford play against... Uh, Virginia Tech in my hotel room when I was quarantining Wednesday night he just didn't know at the time he had no idea at the time that he would be playing Virginia Tech in a matter of a few days um, and so then when he when he knew and they went back and watched the game again Aluma actually uh, he was kind of more drifting and, and playing more on the perimeter even though he's a big body and that was the the role for Aluma against Villanova was different he was certainly using his physicality and uh, and was able to take it uh, take it to Jeremiah Robinson Earl which was which was something. I mean, Robinson Earl didn't have a bad game. He just didn't have a great game, and he didn't play as well as he probably needed to. Um, if you're a Villanova fan, and you know you're trying to kind of track what your what your team's been able to do and where it's succeeded, and where it's and where it's failed, um, it was interesting that Colin Gillespie was able to go for 25 points, uh, had a pair of steals for uh, four assists, but him having a great game just did not correlate. Correlate to, to Villanova winning, and again, Villanova needed that bailout, blindside, uh, charge call to get two foul shots for Justin Moore at the end of regulation to get it to overtime, which uh, was a weird moment in and of itself. But it was really that Robinson Earl just didn't quite have it, and Aluma outplayed him. Aluma obviously guarded him, and uh, and so that was uh, that was intriguing. And yes, yeah, no Virginia Tech's a, a nice, fun story here in the early part of the season, and it's got a shot. You know, we, listen, what we will not do on this podcast, or at least what I will not do on this podcast this season is um, tell you the next three, four games with any kind of confidence there because everything's always on the table. But Virginia Tech is not scheduled to leave its home arena again until we flip the calendar to 2021. And its toughest opponent is Clemson at this point, according to Ken Palm, and that's on December 15th. So Virginia Tech's got a healthy chance if its schedule remains the same, of, of being, you know, an undefeated team or a one-loss team when we get to the start of the new year. And if that's the case, it's going to be a mainstay in the top 20 of the polls.
0: One last thing on Aluma. He's not somebody who, like, you know, averaged 15 points per game at the mid-major level. And so then Mike decided to bring him to Virginia Tech with him. He averaged 6.9 points as a sophomore at Wofford. And now, uh, through three games at Virginia Tech, he's averaging 18 points and five rebounds. Virginia Tech, one of the really great early season uh, stories in college basketball. There was a fun game between top 20 teams on Sunday, Houston beat Texas tech inside Dickie's arena. I love Dickie's arena. We're going to get into that next, but first check this out.
1: The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: We all send messages nonstop connected to work. Text, emails, checking in on projects, brainstorming for ideas. No matter what kind of work you do, communication is key. And Grammarly, it can really help you. Because Grammarly, it's your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so that you can make a bigger impact at work. If you lack confidence in your writing... Grammarly can fix that, and it can also make you more efficient in your day-to-day. Did you realize that 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing? It's true. So it's time for you to make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So fun game between top twenty teams on Sunday. Houston beat Texas Tech inside Dicky's Arena. Final score 64-53. Um, the Cougars scored 37 points in the first 20 minutes, mostly controlled the game uh, from start to finish. I know you are at Mohegan Sun. Did you have a chance to see any of that? It was a. it was it was a. it was a fist fight for 40 minutes.
1: Did not get a chance to see a second of this game uh wound up. Uh, yes, I was at the arena, and then I was working the phones. Um So, no, I did not get to see any of it. It is a surprising result. Not that Houston won. I certainly thought that was on the table. But from all I gathered, it just, you know, it was it was a decisive win. And that's two top ten teams at Ken Palm as we talked this morning. Texas Tech still, because there's, you know, preseason projections taken into it. It's seven, and Houston climbed up to ten after the win. but. I mean, it, maybe we are going to find out. Houston's now three and zero. It's 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 defeated Lamar, Boise State, and Texas Tech, and uh, and each one of them was decisive. Maybe we're going to find out that we underrated a Houston team that didn't have like a a tried and true star, I guess, coming in. Which I which you know I understand, um, but it's still you know Caleb Mills back, Quentin Grimes back. Like there are some dudes on there, but maybe this is this is the team that's going to wind up being the, hey, everyone thought they'd be good. No one actually thought they'd be great. And maybe, just maybe, they will wind up being great.
0: You know, I had them preseason top 10, and then they lost a rotation player to an to an ACL. So I dropped them a little bit, but still had them, you know, as an obvious favorite in the AAC and in, in the top 20. And man, they looked apart the so far this season. And, you know, you, you're right. They don't have a star per se, Um, even though Quentin Grimes was a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school, went to Kansas, then transferred to Houston. But Kelvin has now, it looks like two years in a row, he is getting more production from sub-50 freshmen on a good team than what is normal. Like last year, I had never even heard of Caleb Mills coming out of high school. He was ranked 199th in the class of 2019. Then he leads a very good Houston team I think Houston finished 14th at Kempom last season, leads them in scoring as a true freshman. Like that's not normal for somebody to be ranked 199th in the country and as a true freshman lead a very good team in scoring. And now Tremont Mark got 11 points yesterday against Texas Tech. He's averaging 14 points and four rebounds. He was ranked 80th in the class of 2020. So, you know, he's a top 100 player, four-star guy. But still, for somebody to be ranked 80th in the, in his high school class, and be this type of player. It's early, but this type of player for a top 15 team, again, that's that's not that normal, but it's happening for the second year in a row. And more than anything, I, I think Houston's just become one of the more reliable programs in America, and that's because of, of Kelvin Sampson. He is in his seventh season at Houston right now, inherited nothing, just took over a program that has a proud history, but had been nothing forever. And now he's finished in the top three in the AAC five straight seasons. He's won at least a share of the AAC title in each of the past two seasons, finished in the top 20 at Ken Palm each of the past three seasons, currently 10th at Ken Palm. And how about this? Past three years, they finished 14th, 12th, and 18th specifically. Houston is, is – is, is, You know, Wisconsin was thought of once upon a time this way under Bo Ryan and and perhaps still is under Greg Gard. But Bo like kept it like you could just I used to say this about Wisconsin under Bo. I don't care who's on the roster. I'm going to rank them preseason top 25 because they'll get there one way or another. And Houston is almost, if not already at that level for me, just assume they're going to be good as long as Kelvin's the one in charge.
1: Yeah, and they would have had a, a deeper run in the tournament three years ago if not for Jordan Poole hitting a, just a memorable buzzer beater in the tournament there. So um, Houston's next opponent is scheduled to be uh, at home against South Carolina, and Frank Martin. Uh, keep an eye on that. They they're again they don't they're not scheduled to leave their place until December nineteenth uh, against Alabama. So this they're ranked high, and it just doesn't seem like they're going to be dropping out anytime soon. So they will be relevant, and they after Memphis flopped i would say was a flop uh in south dakota uh, you know one day in we were kind of wondering okay could we really have a nice little two-horse race here and then give it a couple more days houston is clearly the best team in that league and there's a lot of separation between the cougars and then if the tigers are in fact the second best team uh, i think there's a little bit of a gap there
0: Um, you mentioned it was a decisive victory for Houston. It was like they controlled the game from the jump and were never seriously threatened. Although Texas Tech did make a run in the second half to kind of make it interesting, Um, Houston got it under control again and you know end up winning the game comfortably. Texas Tech's going to be fine. Like you you know, they got all of these new pieces that they're trying to figure out how to fit together. The most Famous among them being Mac McClung, the Georgetown transfer. And for what it's worth, he's averaging eighteen points per game through three games. So he is, um, he, you know, he's 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 scoring. Uh, same thing he did at, at Georgetown. And so Texas Tech will be fine. That was just a. Uh, those are two very good basketball teams that that played on Sunday. And uh, you know, it wasn't the prettiest game in the history of the sport, but it was a uh, it was a fun game to watch. When you watched it, you felt like you were watching two very good college basketball games. Norlander, uh, we got. Two big events over the n- well, you know well,
1: next well, three on, days. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I, we need to we need to first acknowledge something and then just put it behind us forever. Okay. Hmm. You know, <laughs> we take the time on this podcast to give these teams an opportunity to give them to give them a shot at immortality. And did you see what happened in Columbus, Ohio, over the weekend?
0: Do you, what do you mean, did I see what happened? I was locked in. Uh, well, to the, uh, well my... first
1: of all, first of all, the UMass Lowell Riverhawks get their asses handed to them by Dan Muller's Redbirds at Illinois State. Not a good sign. No. Then these jerks tease us. They tease us. They're leading Ohio State in the second half. It's looking like history might be made. It's looking like the Riverhawks could actually win this game, implant themselves into your mouth yeah. at the end of every podcast.
0: Well, okay, watch yourself. You're taking a little too far. With the shouts.
1: That's not, <laughs> I'm not gonna what let the
0: Riverhawks implant themselves in my mouth.
1: But that's not what happened. 7464. It's not even a single digit affair at the end of it. You had your chance. Patu It was a pleasure to meet you here in Mohegan Sun when you beat San Francisco, but I don't want to hear anymore. This is ridiculous. One and two. Get out of my face.
0: Elvis Presley rolling over in his grave, which, which, by the way, happens to be in his yard at Graceland. Did did you know that
1: Elvis is buried (laughs) in his yard?
0: (laughs) Like, like my dog is buried in my yard and Elvis is buried in his own yard. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that. I did. I did not know that. I was. I was. By the way, you sent out a tweet that made me think about. You had a tweet about him in his grave, did right? Wasn't it Elvis? Elvis uh, Presley. No, he tweet. was just.
0: Uh, he was. I don't know what I tweeted, but it was something along the lines of. he's just. He he pre- probably appreciated the effort. Mass Lowell did did put together a a, a good effort a surprisingly good effort and that, uh, EP, the King of rock and roll was, you know, probably smiling, uh, from his Graceland in the sky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminded me, and then we can move on, but the tweet for whatever reason reminded me of, this was like eight, nine years ago. In, NC state played a game at, in the Jimmy V. And so it's December and the, and they, they beat whomever they beat Uh, I can't remember, but they got a win that I don't think they were expected to win. And and in the press conference, um, like, it's NC State. They're playing at the Jimmy V Classic. Jim Valvano, former NC State coach. And someone in the media asked C.J. Leslie about this win and getting it at Jimmy V. And it was an awkwardly presented question. And then C.J. – like, they put C.J. Leslie in a tough spot. But he he ended it with – I'm sure Jimmy V's out there throwing up the Wolfpack sign in his grave right now, and I'm like, I don't think he's doing that. I don't think Valvano's throwing up the Wolfpack sign in his grave right now. So that's what your tweet reminded me of. <laughs> oh, so anyway, uh, yeah. we got some games to talk about this weekend, right?
0: River, River, River. Hey, we, we, perhaps there'll be another opportunity for the River Hawks no, to get in there with. They're done. Never? It's over. with. You get one shot. It's it's like it's like uh, said. You get one shot. That's
1: right. Right. That's right. Right.
0: You, you, the River Hawks blew it, so you know, we're done with them until until we're not. Yeah, okay. So Maui Invitational starts uh, today uh, soon. We're recording this it's like eleven fifteen a.m. Eastern. So Maui Invitational gets started with Texas against Davidson, and then we've also got today Indiana Providence, North Carolina, UNLV, Stanford, Alabama. Those are three teams in my top twenty-five, and one Carolina, Texas, and Indiana whole bunch of five-star freshmen in the field. And then, of course, on Tuesday night, we get the champions class Michigan State at Duke, followed by Kentucky against Kansas inside Banker's Life Fieldhouse downtown Indianapolis. Let's talk Maui first. Who you got winning the Maui Invitational? Do you have a winner?
1: Um, I, I'm going to take Texas, who, by the way, lost former five-star, four-star big man Will Baker. He is transferring out. That was announced, I guess, like – when they were warming up the plane and getting ready to uh, to go cuz he was not uh in Texas's debut and he's not playing. Um they got a lot of talent there. Uh so he will he will be heavily sought after and uh and figures to be an important player on whatever team he goes to next. Uh I'll take Texas though. It, it, I, you know, Carolina is is going to be the favorite to win this. It's interesting cuz I think I think Stanford, Indiana, Texas and Carolina are all capable of winning it. I would not say I, some would even say Alabama, but I would say no. I'm 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 gonna say Alabama is is not likely to win three games in three days in Asheville, Providence, no Davidson, no UNLV, no. By the way, this is the only multi-team event in all of college basketball that did not lose a single team from its originally announced field from the summer, from the offseason, or whatever. Every single other either a four team event anything lost at least one and many of these lost multiple teams so credit to this this frankly feels like a miracle like i don't I, stanford alabama indiana providence carolina unlv texas davidson shouts to all of you for getting this done that's uh that's just ridiculous um and and great for great for the field and and listen it's not during thanksgiving week but it's still technically november as we record this uh, but i'll take texas to win i'm I'm super intrigued by the field. Uh, Indiana and Stanford probably are my most interested. The teams I'm most interested in because I think Indiana does have a shot. It does have a shot at at not being like Houston entirely and like oh they're top ten good. But I think Archie Miller's team has a chance. To make us look up and say, "Okay, we thought they were kind of fringe top twenty-five-ish, but they are. They're they're looking like they can be a top twenty team. They got to prove it this week with the with the competition they got there." And then Zaire Williams at Stanford, um, and their defense, they've got a really good shot. To me, the best game of the first day in Asheville. Is Stanford versus Alabama? That's a nine thirty tip on ESPN two Monday night. So if you're getting to this podcast near dinner time, you still got plenty of time to get that. To me, that's the best one of the four that GP mentioned. But I will take Texas. Uh, they're the highest ranked team at Ken Palm in this field. They're eighth right now. Uh, that's obviously a projection with you know really good defense. Greg Brown. Yeah, he is just as much must-watch as it gets. He's a standout freshman there, but uh, you know Matt Coleman, uh, Courtney Ramey, Jericho Sims. There's just a lot there, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put trust in Chaka Smart. So give me the Longhorns.
0: You mentioned Zaire Williams, Greg Brown. There's actually six five-star freshmen playing in the Maui Invitational. Zaire Williams, Greg Brown, Caleb Love at North Carolina, Dayron Sharp at North Carolina, Walker Kessler at North Carolina. And also Christian Lander at Indiana. So if you are the type that likes to watch the five-star former McDonald's All-Americans Maui Invitational is going to have them all over the place in Asheville, North Carolina. I'll take North Carolina. North, North I'll take North Carolina in North Carolina to win the Maui Invitational. A sentence that has never been uttered before. <laughs> North Carolina is going to win the Maui Invitational in North Carolina.
1: Yeah. Um. Next three days it will be. Uh. And it, what we're not going to get is that. Uh, it's going to, first of all, it'll be weird just to not have this. It's going to, it's because it's still the Maui invitation. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's the presentation's going to be a little bit off, but it's 2020. So I guess we just, I guess we just roll with it there. Um. I oh, hope coaches still wear, wear the Hawaiian
0: they shirt. They better. That. Like
1: that's the thing. Like, I don't know what the plan is. I could have, I should have texted ahead of time, gotten some inside scoops on it. But I really hope that when we turn this on. Like the, and, and by the way, is, is Walton on the call? Like I hope Walton made the trip. I would think he did, right? It's not going to be I, the same if he's not there. I know Billis is not there. Billis was in Connecticut. He's going to call Michigan State Duke in the Champions Tuesday. So Billis will not call this Maui event for the first time in what feels like I mean 17, 18 years. It's been a long, long time. So that will be a little bit different.
0: Yeah. So uh Norlander's got Texas. I've got North Carolina. The championship game will be on Wednesday. Champions Classic is scheduled for Tuesday night. I mentioned already Michigan State at Duke, 7:30 Eastern. Kentucky against Kansas in Indianapolis at 9:30 Eastern. Let's go Michigan State Duke first. Um you know, listen, Duke played Coppin State to open the sea. I don't know what you can, what conclusions you can draw from that other than they were favored by like 35 and they won by 10. But Jalen Johnson had 19 points and 19 rebounds. Pretty ridiculous. Like statistically, you know, taking the competition into consideration, um, still statistically, 19 and 19 is a pretty nice debut. So, but this will be Duke's first test. Michigan State handled Notre Dame fairly easily. Over the weekend, so Michigan State at Duke. Who do you like there?
1: Yes, uh, I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take Duke because it's got the it's got the home venue here. And yeah, so this is the Champions Classic, and Duke yes is playing a home game. It will return the game to Michigan State. Remains to be seen if that return will happen next year and whether it will be not in the ACC Big Ten Challenge or if it will be. Um, plenty of intrigue about what's, what's going to happen there. But I will take Duke at home. Here, uh, Jalen Johnson was not a preseason first or second team all league player in the ACC, which was baffling. And I know it was Coppin State, but that's a that's as you said, that's a hell of a de- debut, regardless of competition there. So I'm interested to see what he does going up against MSU, which, which you know, I, there have been some, uh, Nice early returns uh, in this junior season for Marcus Bingham Jr. Uh, and Joey Hauser has looked uh, pretty solid. He has yet to hit a three. And his brother's a much more consistent long range shooter than than he is uh, down at Virginia. But Hauser is is looking like he is going to be the primary option on offense, which the staff told me they thought would be the be, indeed be the case. But um, Aaron Henry's looks relatively solid and uh rocket watts is a little bit of a bumpy ride but he but you know he's got a lot there i i, I love the matchup but i'll just i'm just gonna take duke at home in this kind of spot um if you want to fade that because they only beat cop and state by 10 i think that's totally fine it also feels like one of those deals where they didn't play well in the first game of the season against uh, a terrible team and then so of course you're going to take michigan state to win or cover if you get into that kind of stuff but um you know matthew hurt Wendell Moore I just I like the pieces uh, there in this spot in a close game. So, you know, to me it's it's a borderline coin flip, but I'll but I'll take Duke.
0: Yeah, it's basically a coin flip in my head as well, but but I'll take Duke. I think they got better players even if they don't have you know, every year since I believe 2013 Duke has enrolled at least one consensus top 10 prospect they didn't this year Jalen Johnson though he looked like a top 10 prospect in his freshman debut and performed that way he was not ranked in the top 10 um, uh, of the class of 2020 so this isn't this is a very good recruiting class for Duke it is not as good as the as most great recruiting classes that that Duke has had in in recent years but I still think they've got better players than Michigan State and unlike Kentucky. They are not entirely reliant on first-year guys in the program. You know, they, they, you know, Matthew Hurt, as you mentioned, is in his second year in the program. When the Moore is in his second year in the program, so I'll take Duke at home over Michigan State, but should be a competitive game. And nothing that happens would surprise me. Kentucky, Kansas on a neutral in Indianapolis. I, you know, a, Again, it's a forty-minute basketball game. Kentucky still has more NBA players than than most teams in the country, but I don't know how you look the way they looked on Sunday and then bounce back two days later and beat Kansas. Like I don't, I, I, that that one would surprise me a little bit.
1: All right, let's a couple things with this one. Let's first. Let me first. You know, at this hour, obviously they're still planning to play this game, but there's the potential that does not happen. So, since we last podcasted, Saint Joseph's. Which played Kansas on Friday, returned to Philadelphia, and had one player pop a positive COVID nineteen test. Uh, my understanding is that the player um, played significant, you know, played played minutes. It wasn't a role player that was in for two two minutes during during the game against Kansas. That's what I've been told. So, um, with that being said. Uh, it's not yet determined whether, you know, St. Joseph's, which, by the way, did not play Gonzaga. How this went was uh, St. Joe's played against Auburn, and then it played against Kansas. Now, Kansas, as we know, started against Gonzaga. The chances that there was transmission of COVID-19 is not zero, but no one really know. Like, the St. Joseph's player that is now positive for COVID-19 could have, it's well within reason they could have contracted it before they left for Florida, that's definitely on the table there. But that being said, you would think that Kansas is going to test again today because uh, it's within we're approaching 24 hours of their next game, and that's a guideline suggestion from the NCAA. And uh, Kentucky is going to need to sign off on this as well. So it feels like the game is going to get played as we record this right now. But I would have to believe that Kentucky's end of this is is. In contact with Kansas, uh, potentially even St. Joe's. I was told St. Joe's is going through its contact tracing protocols, like today this morning, to to figure this out. There was even uh, at least one official I know of that worked in Florida uh, that is not working for the next couple of days as a means of safety measure, basically. So, uh, just to I want to mention that in the event that this. Goes in a different direction later on tonight or whatever, or this afternoon. Um, that's just at least being investigated. By the way, as it should be, again, you know, it, it, it's not good for college basketball that Gonzaga had a player pop positive and then decided to play because the Florida health advisors and officials said that they was good. And then everyone there said, okay, if you say it's good, we're going to play it. And then St. Joe's returns from that and it has one player test positive, that was retested again and reconfirmed again, one player tested positive. So just keep all of that in mind. As for the matchup, um, uh, this feels... Uh, I mean, this feels like a toss-up way more than Michigan State-Duke. I just don't... How is Kentucky going to respond after the performance it put up? Uh, Kansas is not a team that seems like it's going to have uh, consistent firepower from beyond the arc uh to just kind of to bury Kentucky now it, it does have shooters don't get me wrong like I I feel like Christian Brown and Bryce Thompson can be those kind of players uh and even Ochi Abaji has hit a, has hit some uh, but I just don't I I don't know I don't feel like they're going to be this three-point dominant team we'll see if I'm way off on that or not but this is this is intriguing because it is a neutral site unlike Michigan State at Duke and the loser, we're going to be looking at a situation. I can't tell you this. I didn't look ahead of this uh, ahead of time, GP. But loser this is going to be one and two. Kentucky or Kansas, one of these two blue bloods, is going to open up the season having lost two of its first three games. And that's just – that's not common. Definitely not common for uh, for Kansas uh, under Bill Self and then Kentucky, obviously, under Calipari. That's, uh, that's not the status quo at all.
0: And because of the limited non-league schedule that teams are playing and, uh, you know – very few by games that teams are playing you know kentucky could end up with a losing record in non-league games i mean especially if they lose to kansas like they have six on paper right now they have six more now i think they're going to add one to or try to reschedule that detroit game yeah they're going to try to reschedule that detroit game is my understanding but uh, on paper right now they have six remaining non-league games it's kansas Georgia Tech, which by the way is off to like the worst start of any supposedly good team in America, they are a projected NCAA tournament team by most entering the season. Uh, they're zero two with losses to Georgia State and Mercer, but like Georgia Tech, you know, still the same players people thought was going to be pretty good. So we'll see. But Kansas after uh, after Kansas, Kentucky's got Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, UCLA, Louisville, and Texas. According to Ken Palm. They'll be favored in four of those games, underdogs in two of those games. But like you know, Kentucky really could limp through the non-league portion of their schedule, and it won't necessarily mean that they're going to struggle all season. This team, like most John Calipari heavily reliant on freshman teams, will probably get better. Um, should get better as the season progresses, but. The Texas game's deeper into the calendar, but those those other non-league games are are all, like, you know, coming up. And, again, it was just one game on a Sunday afternoon, but that Kentucky team looked like it didn't quite know what it was doing on Sunday. Perhaps that says more about Richmond than it does Kentucky, but this non-league portion of the schedule, I guess I'll bottom line it, it, just, it could get tricky for them.
1: It, it could. Um, and we'll see what they – you know, I, I'm – Genuinely intrigued to see what Kentucky does coming off that Richmond loss and how it can adjust uh, against an extremely well-coached team in Kansas. And, and ideally, we get to we get to see that game. I did want to mention, uh, since I'm here in Bubbleville, I'm, I'm here for uh, today and then I'm going to leave late Tuesday night. Um, USC will play BYU at 2.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday. Uh, BYU... You know, we'll see if they can be something close to what they were a season ago. USC has Evan Mobley, so that's I'm I'm intrigued to see that, and that is an ESPN two game, so you'll be able to watch that with the daytime hoops to go alongside all the stuff that's going to be happening in Asheville for your daytime hoops. So that is intriguing. Um, and then I just want to feel compelled if you're if you're interested in Cade Cunningham, he's playing Tuesday night uh, at Marquette. So that's a, that's a legitimate challenge. That's a 7 o'clock tip. So that's a couple of more games to, uh, to keep an eye on there. But, yeah, I'll be here for that. And, by the way, Villanova hasn't left. Like, St. Joe's having its positive test. St. Joe's was supposed to play Villanova on Wednesday in Philadelphia. Villanova gets word. Jay writes, like, <laughs> it's funny. I, I tweeted that they're still here. And I got a lot of responses about, like, Jay, Jay's going back to the ATM. <laughs> he's just, he can't, he's not leaving the casino. He's going back to the ATM. He's doubling down. He's feeling it. I, I don't blame him or Villanova at all. It, you, if, this, is, this is proven to be a safe, stable environment, knocking wood, uh, to this point. Coaches have raved about it, and they're going to play Hartford on Tuesday, and... Why not? Because, you know, he wanted to get a mid-major in. I, you know, Obviously, theoretically, just get a win. Like, can we get one more game in, get a win there? And um, so Villanova is still here. And it, it is a wise move to just get the games in when you can, if you can. And so just, a, you know, a minor adjustment to the schedule there. And oh, by the way, Florida's coming later this week to Bubbleville. I'll be gone by then, but they're going to get in games against Army and uh, and Boston College. So as we record these podcasts, I mean, this is now going to be just Every week, every kind of everyday thing. Just schedule improvisation. Uh, the bubble itself uh, is very uh, allowing of that as teams have, have been looking to add games and uh, and come on in.
0: Shouts to Davin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic I, I've ever I've ever lived. I can't speak for anybody else. It's 100% dumbest pandemic I've ever lived <laughs> It just driving me crazy if you are not subscribed already please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcast including apple podcast i'd appreciate it norlander would appreciate it enjoy the champions classic enjoy the maui invitation we'll be back on wednesday morning to talk to you about it till then take care